What's going on, everybody? Episode one, or sorry, I've been saying one for so long, I just couldn't, uh, just couldn't get my head around the fact that this is episode 200 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. For 200 episodes every single week without missing, we've been bringing you to the table while we talk about the outdoors. And for episode 200, we wanted to celebrate right with plenty of beer. We've got whiskey on the table, and we've got Alaskan guide my uncle Frank, Frank's dad, in studio talking about an awesome year up in Alaska. This marks 24 years of guiding for him up in Alaska, so it was really cool to you know get that kind of experience on the podcast. Uh, we had an absolute blast recording this episode. It's one of the longest ones we've ever done, so we hope you guys enjoy it, and hopefully you don't get bored. Um, we had a blast recording it, so hopefully you can crack a beer, drink some whiskey with us while you listen. Um, it sounds like I'm rambling a little bit. What do you say? Let's get tuned in to this week's episode. I got out of the truck, and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska, moose, spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for coming to another episode. Uh, this episode's been coming a little bit late, later yep. than we normally do it. Yeah, uh, we usually do it right after my dad gets back. Talk about Alaska, talk about his trip, see how everything went, what all they killed up there. Uh, but we've just been busy. People have been killing deer. We've been doing the deer camp series, and uh, we just haven't had time. So, well, last year we took a break in the deer camp series to do a alligator camp series. Yeah. So I guess we're just going to do a quick recession and do a moose camp series. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you've heard me and Nick, Tom sitting here with us too. Always happy to be in the studio. Yep. And as you guessed with Alaska, my father is sitting here with us. Hello, everybody. So yeah, we're. Uh, is there anything we need to talk about before we dive right in? No Any housekeeping. No, no housekeeping. Floor's already swept. Um, right. I have a few things I'll bring up in the intro, but they'll hear that by the time we get here, anyways. Yeah. So, Uncle Frank, um, how many years have is was this marking up in Alaska? I, I think it's officially twenty-four years. I, was say, I thought you were getting close to the quarter yeah, century it, mark. It's getting real close, mm-hmm. real close. Have you missed a year? Um, no, I have not missed a year going up. I've done uh, work with different outfitters along the way. Uh, but uh, I've always been up there hunting at least once every year. So in the realm of cars, you're almost a classic in Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many people say that and back that up with you, referring to me as a classic. Well, uh, (laughs) in in Alaska as a guide, I mean, you got like... Yeah, I'm getting there. (laughs) I don't... I mean, is there many guides up there with 20 plus years of experience on Uh, on the river? I'm sure they're... Well, not not in our area so much, but I'm sure there's more up there than you realize, you know. Um... there's quite a few guys that have been up there quite a while. So. I don't know if we ever 
covered this in a previous podcast, but I think it's important. How did you get started in guiding in Alaska? Oh, I got lucky. <laughs> it, it, uh, I'll leave out a bunch of names, but it all started uh, almost 30 years ago when a friend of mine went up on a spring brown bear hunt and never came back till the following fall. Uh, kind of hit it off with his outfitter and stayed. So as he started to work for him for a couple of years, they'd come down here obviously in the wintertime like most of those outfitters do and, and uh, do the shows. So I got introduced to the outfitter that, that he had hunted with. And then a neighbor of ours way back when, him and two of his friends had booked a hunt up in uh, Unit 19. And literally three weeks before the three of them were supposed to fly up there and do their moose brown bear hunt, their outfitter backed out on them. Oh. Yeah, so they had their tags bought, license purchased, airline tickets and, purchased. And they are a unit specific up there, correct? Correct, correct. Well, license and tags transfer. but Between uh, units? Yes. Okay. Yep, for the most part, unless it's a like a, a draw permit or something like that. But the general license and tags transfer around. So, But where you can get burnt is your seasons. You know, so okay. when you book your airline tickets to fly someplace, you know, Assuming you were going to hunt a certain season in your unit, it may not be the same seasons in another unit. So, But I happened to bump into the, the neighbor prior to them going up there, you know, literally three weeks before they were supposed to go. And, you know, knowing that he was headed that way, I asked him if he was you know, excited about getting going because it was getting short time. And, man, you thought I kicked him in the guts. And uh, he's like, no. And he told me the whole story about how the outfitter backed out on him. And now they spent all this money and nothing to do. Well, he explained to me when his dates were, and they were lined right up with this other outfitter I'd met. You weren't guiding at the time. You no, just, I was You no, just I, knew the guy. I just knew they were going, just met the guy from shows, like I said, through a, a mutual high school friend. Did you ever think at this point that you wanted to guide or you would be guiding? Uh, no, I was like everybody else. You dream about going hunting and living in the woods and doing stuff like that and but had your to, whole life but yeah. you know 99% of us it never never comes to fruition for right. a host of different reasons but so anyways I told the neighbor I said well you know your dates line up your tags are good everything will transfer you might have to eat your short plane ticket but your plane ticket to Anchorage is still good you're just going to fly to a different small town uh, if I can get a hold of this guy, would you be willing to switch outfits? And they're like, well, absolutely. Yeah, they've committed at this point. <laughs> right. So uh, so I made a phone call, and, you know, we're going back to 1999, 2000, and everybody was already in camp. You know, they were setting uh -huh. up camps for moose season that was coming up, you know, here real quick. And so I made a phone call, which got transferred to Dillingham and left a message so that they could make a radio connection up to an interior village who made another radio call to a village and another radio call to camp. And it daisy changed back and forth, but I got everybody in touch and then I'm just kind of backed out and let them yeah. hash, out their, hash things out. Well, as luck would have it, the three of them were able to go and they booked their hunt with them and I got a phone call and it was that outfitter saying, hey, thanks, I appreciate the three hunters, you know, three combo guys, that's mm -hmm. a big deal, you know, for them. He You're goes, doing like outside sales for him. Just. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like a bird dog. For right, yeah, but it wasn't get a commission. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, But he said, hey, but you created a problem. I'm shorthanded in camp now. I need a packer and a 
someone to work, you know, work in another camp and stuff like that. Would you be willing to come up for a few weeks? Oh, if I and have to. I was like, well, yeah, what's that going to cost me to get up there, though? And he's like, don't worry about it. You get to the airport on this date, I'll have a ticket waiting for you. And sure enough, he did. Were you self-employed no, at this point? No, I was working for another, for another contractor at the time. And fortunately, he enjoyed the outdoors and hunting as much as I did. So when I went and asked him for three weeks off in September, uh, you know, busy Real time. Real slow for, season. Yeah, for contractors. <laughs> winter's right around the corner. He looked at me and he goes, I'm surprised you're even asking. I figured you'd have just informed me that you were going. <laughs> Call you from the plane. Right. Yeah. yeah this, hey, I'm not going to be at work for a couple <laughs> weeks. So, but, uh, so that's how I got to go up there. And then on the flight back, uh, I knew I was being invited back the following year. And, you know, at that point, the talk was already starting about working camps a couple, you know, another year, get your assistant guide license. And, you know, that this can go become a long term thing. So I'm on the plane flying back going, huh. <laughs> I need to start my own Something's business. Something's got to change because no one in their right mind is going to keep giving me all this time off to fly back and forth to Alaska. And, and uh, so that's when the gears started turning. That's yeah. So when I got back, I talked to the guy I was working for and uh, told him the gig. And you know, I continued to work for him until he found someone to re you know replace me and stuff like that. But I broke off, went out on my own, and figured that was the only way I'd ever have enough. Yeah, I I mean ability to. Uh, you know, change my schedule around the way I need it. No to. job I've ever had would allow a three-week tough, yeah, tough to do. Yeah, and Very even what and you've worked between. into now, it's much more than three weeks. You know, oh, yeah. from setup to tear down in a moose and brown bear season, you're way above. Yeah, yeah it was two months. I was a little over seven weeks this this fall. So, and that's I mean, and I I could literally go up there April first, stay until December first, and have something to do the whole time. If I chose to, it might result in a divorce. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, but so that's how it happened. Um, so yeah, here you so sit, twenty-five so years later. You were hooked yeah. at that. Like after your first time, was it? Regardless oh, of the yeah, invite yeah, back, yeah, were you like, "This is going to be a long"? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I knew that was something that that I wanted to keep trying to figure. I was going to try to figure out how it was going to happen. Gotcha. And it was funny because on the plane flight up. You know, like I said, we all, any, all of us, you know, grow up in the outdoors hunting and stuff, and y'all sit and dream about, boy, it'd be so cool to live off grid and be in a tent for three mm -hmm. months and da da da. You know. Well, when you're on that plane for the very first time, and the reality kind of sets in, it's not. It going, would be cool. It's like and I'm you're gonna <laughs> talking to yourself, going, huh? You always thought this would be cool. I really Here, hope it's that cool. It's as cool as you always dreamed it would be. <laughs> and uh, fortunately for me, it was. You know, I, I mean, my first year up there, I got into camp. And uh, that classmate that I told you about that was mm -hmm. the original connection, he and I ended up going on a 27, 28-mile hike because uh, our pilot was late getting in to camp that year. So normally we would get flown up to one of our secondary camps mm -hmm. well because the pilot was late getting in he was still at fish camp he's a commercial fisherman in the summertime uh we had to walk up there so just a quick 27 mile yeah <laughs> so it was yeah so it was like uh you know easy terrain though and it actually really wasn't too bad i mean okay. once we got out of the river bottom okay uh you know so you got out onto the tundra and you started working the ridges 
uh, you had to dodge some soft spots and and that's that was your first time up there very first time first so, the I was in camp two days and was on that walk neither myself or this other person uh, my old classmate there neither of us had been to this place before so you probably we, had a map we we had a map and a description of what to look for and like the right down and, and, it, and it was literally you're gonna walk this ridge you know between this drainage and that drainage and when the ridge on your or, uh, when the mountain on your right juts out and you get a real steep bluff that you see across the river draw a line from that back to the nearest two-point mountain on the left side that's like eight miles away and you will be directly between those points there'll be a patch of alders on the hillside that's where camp is stashed find that and get can't camp. miss it yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm telling you it'll be there well anybody who's ever walked the tundra in the hills in alaska knows that there's like four million alder patches yeah <laughs> that'll all hide but that one will stick okay. out but that one will well the only thing that saved us was because he would periodically use that in the winter time mm -hmm. as a backup spot to, to camp when they were spring brown bear hunting. Uh, if they got out in some bad weather and were you know that deep, they would break into that cache and and set up you know like an overnight spot if they had to. So to ensure that they could find it in the deep snow, they would run a stick up and put a flag on it up above the alders so okay uh, so there was one distinct there, there part, was one little distinct part you could if you could see the six inch piece of white ribbon that was <laughs> orange ribbon I mean, whatever to, it was probably you know. had to get within you probably had 20 oh. miles to go before you could even maybe see that oh you weren't going to see it until you were within a few hundred yards of it okay so yeah. still oh, okay yeah. you, you had to be you had online to, with you, 26 you pretty miles much already had to be going i hope that's the patch we got to find. I've, I've committed at this point and, it better be yeah <laughs> and, and we're actually exactly the uh it was the second patch of alders we checked that uh, that it was it's in. Not too bad. And, no, but I mean, if you looked at like the, the description that he gave us, I mean, it couldn't have been any better than it's between Walmart and yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and, and the, the yeah, and the sheets in mini mark wow. down there, you know, and so maybe it was just a test to see if you were cut out for it. Well, they <laughs> tested me again the following year too. So. <laughs> the following year, he put me in a boat and pointed to a spot on a map and said, "That's where I want camp." Well, I had to go. Two hours up the Nushigak River, find the mouth of the King Salmon River that I'd never been to before, and uh, head another two and a half hours up the King Salmon River to a spot where the river makes a left-hand turn. Well, and the Nushigak's pretty straight. <laughs> oh so yeah, right. There's probably only one or two left-hand turns. So, so it was in a boat with a full camp, and upriver I went for four and a half hours, and uh, but like I said again, the description he gave. There was no mistake in it. When I hit the right left-hand oh, turn, left turn and he was looked talking. at the, the hill he was talking about and the description he gave, I mean, it was spot on. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind I'd found the right spot. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat, kind of neat. But uh, a lot of Definitely fun. learned a lot in those, yeah. first in the couple, time between now and then. Yeah, the, the first outfitter that I worked for there, and I will give you his name, it was Smokey Don Duncan. I think you've brought Smokey up yeah. before. So uh, he, the, the amount of stuff that he has taught me is just unreplaceable you know i mean gotcha. he, he really did a lot for me and taught me a lot over the years so fast forward 24 years with Smokey. you're now with a different outfitter now with a different outfitter uh, who I've, i like a lot and yeah, we've mentioned alaska elite yeah, outfitting yep. over yes the years. 
And I, so. we've met a couple other of the guides. Yep. Um, we've had Clayton on. Yep. Frankie's worked for him. Yep. Um, I've met him a couple times down at the Harrisburg show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great guy. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, Could he seemed like a great guy. Yep. Welcome me right into his booth for hours. Right. So yeah. he's trying to welcome you up to Alaska too. <laughs> I, that's that's where the whole working for yourself is going to come into play because uh, the, my current employer has a rule of no more than two weeks in a row uh, off. So yeah. Yeah, um, if you can't give three, you might as well not come. I wonder. Uh, maybe can I just take medical leave every <laughs> September? <laughs> Isn't there a, like a family leave thing that the socialists just come get up with? Kayla <laughs> pregnant think, every year. Paternity. Oh, yeah, she would love that if I just disappeared every time she got pregnant. Yeah, a little paternity leave. Well, yeah, a little secret out. Uh, I did that. <laughs> when both my kids were born, within three days, I was off on a hunt. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's amazing I didn't get divorced for that. Well, I was born November 9th, and my dad left. That weekend. Yeah, the next weekend to go up to New York for opening day of rifle. (laughs) That went over real well. Yeah. This is just in the family. Yeah. 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 The one time Uh, I went to northern Quebec, and the other time I went to northern Ontario. Uh, Yeah, it's it's still, like, 30 years later, a sore subject. It's brought yeah. up. It'll get brought up every Remember time. that time 27 years ago. Right. Yeah. Oops. Um, so, but so, anyways, so, yeah. so this year, uh, wow, rough year. Okay. Um, I was on the fortunate end of this year. Uh, okay. Things, I don't know if we, did we talk much about the spring hunt? No. Uh, no. I think we didn't talk at all about the spring hunt. That's no. because it was such a disaster. Um, spring black bear, right? Well, no, it was, we do a, Mike does a, a spring brown bear. Oh, hunt. he does? Okay. So, uh, so our spring brown bear hunt is we do two hunts, two 10 day hunts. So it's like May 10th, May 20th, and the 20th through the 30th for the most part. New Shigak River usually goes out somewhere around April 20th to the 25th. You mean ice? Ice out. Yes. Yeah. Ice goes out. So it cleans up so you can get a boat on the river and go start setting up camps and doing everything we do for, for spring brown bear hunt. This year, the river never let out until May 16th, I think it was. Hmm. We're already over halfway through what was supposed to be the first hunt. Those guys are all sitting in Anchorage waiting to come in, and there's no, nothing to do. I mean, the oh. river's nothing but ice. So... Just take them on one of them 28-mile walks. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's still plenty of snow up on yeah. the, It's all like that real wet, thick, slushy snow yeah. that you Real easy up, to walk through. Yeah, that you're up to your hips and slush. And so, uh, so the spring hunt got really rough. When the ice finally went out, we had nothing but nonstop rain. The river was out of its banks. And, uh, yeah, so we, we only, thank God, we only had like three hunters. And uh, we actually sent some of the guys home, gave them the option. You can do what you want to do or come back another year because this just wasn't panning out. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the few people to see a a bear, and it was a good bear. And unfortunately, my client... uh, Good bear, bad shot. (laughs) Never even took the shot. Oh, okay. Uh, And we had this bear at 65 yards. He was just convinced it was going to offer more opportunities than with it. I, I don't 65 know. yards. Yeah. And I later learned, um, I had a packer with me when the bear came in, we were sitting on a, a moose carcass. It was a winter kill. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of thinking it was just going to come stand on the winter kill 45, 50 yards from us and just stand there and he'd have all shoot me here kind of thing, you know? And, and as it was, we saw the bear come from 200 yards away at 
slowly worked its way into us to about and 55, 60 yards. Where do you closest. like them with a rifle? Like, or when will you start telling a client? I'm, I usually try to, I want to see shots under 200, and obviously the closer the better. Gotcha. So let's, like, this bear showed up. He first stepped out. We saw him at about 190 yards. You know, so in my mind, he's in range. Okay. Now, that, all that said, if he's coming to us, I'd much rather see you take a 100-yard shot than a 190-yard shot. So, Agreed. You know, but we knew right away it was a good bear. You know, it was going to be 9-plus, you know, and for our area, that's that's a very good bear. And uh, so he knew he was supposed to be shooting this bear, and uh, he spent a lot of time fumbling with his scope and his gloves and his tripod and everything else, and I could make the story last an hour. And But the long story short is, he never pulled the trigger and got a bullet out of the gun. So I later found out he did try to pull the trigger. So <laughs> the Packer, who was behind us filming all this. Oh. <laughs> right. So we got three. He had a different perspective. He had a different. You know, I'm focused more on the bear once I give him the go ahead. Yeah. You um, want to see where he hits, where yeah, the bear so goes. So the client did pull the trigger, but his bolt was up. So he about yanked his gun off the tripod. You know, like I said, I, 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 you I, thought he's just adjusting a little bit, but I that was yeah, well, a little. I, yeah, I mean, when I saw something move, I just kind of. Then I saw him monkeying around. I thought he was just still playing Getting stuff. Ready. But the finger was in the scope because it had been raining, and mm. and like I said, there was a hundred things that went wrong. And in the end, we have, I think, four minutes of video on a brown bear oh. in a field. And never more than 190 yards. And the last time he was standing upright, looking at the three monkeys hiding behind a <laughs> spruce tree. At this point, was the way I described ourselves because we were now we're moving around a lot trying to reposition to shoot this thing, and it, and it just never happened. So um, you did everything you could on your end. Yeah, I mean, and, and the client knew it. I mean, he was very apologetic, and he, you know he gave his version of what he thought was going to happen and yeah everything else so whatever you know it's over and done he ended up not getting the bear but like i said we at least had a chance at a nice bear mm -hmm. so but now we get on to uh when summer stayed cold and rainy up there we get on to uh bear season for the fall and i had a client really nice guy uh from the boston massachusetts area and he was a riot. I mean, I, I really enjoyed having him. Did he camp. have the Boston accent? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Not terrible, but he did have it. And uh, uh, I'm good. But uh, for the most part, he kept it kind of low. But when we really start laughing and joking around it'd a little come bit, out. You know, yeah, it would come out more and more and more. So, But we, we had a ball. Uh, the weather was terrible for us. Uh, we were first set up to do some hunting right on the river, try to work some of the fishing holes and uh, see if we couldn't catch a bear coming down and mm -hmm. catching some fish. And I went to a spot I'd never been before. We went up a new river, uh, kind of like looking for a new campsite to start doing some stuff. And we had a lot of bear sign, a lot of activity, but we had a lot of rafters that were coming down, floating and fishing. Mm. I mean, and there literally wasn't a day that we didn't see Man, you, Four, you think five, you go that far rafting. out of civilization, you'd be away yeah, from well, that. Well, they, they get flown in, dropped off on a pond, and they do a week-long rafting trip. You know, it's quite common up there. So, uh, you know, after a few days of that, we were like, you know, maybe these rafters have just got 
They're making, you know, they make a lot of noise because they're up there to fish. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're not they're, there they're not trying to be anything. quiet. No, then they're just having fun. They're not doing anything that. Yeah, they're not doing anything wrong. It's no, just it's just not helping inconvenient. us. <laughs> right. So nothing against them, but it wasn't helping us. So we decided we were going to bug out of that camp, and we went on a seventy-five mile boat trip to another spot that I have camped and hunted before. We were going to spend some time up in the hills blasting berry bushes and stuff like that so to make that move you're pretty much surrendering a day of hunting you know now is that something you need to discuss with your client and oh yeah yeah i mean i go over and and, i mean the the clients are always ready for anything different if they think it's going to improve their chances which and if you're suggesting it it usually is probably something you believe is going to improve absolutely absolutely so we make this big move. We get up the next morning, and instead of you know hunting where we're at, we make this big move, head up river, and uh, lo and behold, the weather really socks in for like the next three days, and the fog and the clouds are right down to the river bottom. You know, you, you get out, you visibility's a hundred yards, and glassing and spotting yeah. and stalking bears is just been thrown right out the, right out of the window yeah if you can only see 100 yards you really don't need glass <laughs> no <laughs> and, i mean and you're just the whole concept of sitting at a glassing point spotting a bear that's two miles away and putting a stock on him is just gone when you're up there do you have any way to forecast the weather like do you know what's coming or uh, is it just wake up and we, see what it's going to do no what we can do now is with the gps's you can get a weather forecast and it's about 50-50. I mean, sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not. No, is it like our weather systems here where it's coming from the airport? Uh, I think everything's coming out of Anchorage, but I, I guess don't know for certain. Yeah, where you're at, you're a couple hundred miles from Anchorage. That's, yeah, that's what about, I'm getting at. Yeah, we're about 300 miles from Anchorage. and uh, But with the different ocean currents and you got mountain Mountains. ranges and stuff like that. I mean, well, we get all of our weather from Cleveland. And what the weather says from Cleveland is completely different than what happens here all the time. And that's only and that's 100 miles away. 100 miles. So <laughs> yeah. put mountains and oceans and 300 miles, yeah. you're getting a lot of different stuff yeah. going on. So, But like I said, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But in the end, your best weather report is to get up in the morning and stick your head out of the tent. Yeah. White water in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we wasted three days up there doing that. And uh, and it turned out to be pretty much a waste. Uh, ah. it, this didn't pan out. Uh, kudos to my client. Uh, James was more than understanding and patient, and he got, I mean, he kept a good attitude the whole time, and uh, we made the best of it. So then we turned around, went back to the other camp, knew we could at least, regardless of the weather, we could watch some fishing holes and maybe catch something, doing something, and... Uh, so we get up back up to camp, the original camp. And when we pulled in, I had noticed a slight disturbance <laughs> had been made on the bank. Now we had some gas stored in 15 gallon drums there. And they're always stored upright in a manner that they can't if something happens that they don't end up in the river, they don't pollute everything and well one of the barrels was knocked over. 
Take a pretty stiff breeze to <laughs> knock <laughs> over a 15-gallon gas can that was leaning up against other 15-gallon gas cans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I looked at James. I said, we've got a bear in camp. And he goes, right now? I says, well, probably not right now. We just pulled up here. He's for boat, sure been here. But there's been one here. He's like, well, how do you know? I said, well, that gas can's knocked over. And he said the same thing. Well, maybe the wind blew it over. <laughs> I said, I promise you it didn't. <laughs> now, the next thing I noticed that was really odd, because I've never seen this before, the can had not been eaten. That he is didn't right, chew, He yeah. did not chew it up, did not crush it, didn't have gas strewn all over the place. Usually when bears find a gas can. They bite. They, they just like huffing gas or what? Up, I think so. They chew it up. Bunch of gas all that smell, I mean, they just destroy They it. make a mess. Catch a so, quick buzz and yeah. <laughs> on to the next campsite. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, just just be careful. Let's walk up camp and make sure he's not in see, your sleeping bag. Maybe he just came down because a lot of times when bears will come down, they'll walk through camp, the monkey with the gas can, and move right on through. Why the gas can? Is it just I, the scent? I have no idea. Like Honest why, to God, if I, you've were, got food and if everything I was there. allowed to bait brown bears, I would put a 15-gallon gas can <laughs> I'm telling you, they can't resist it. it. So you've got food and camp and everything, and they'll yeah. they'll attack the they'll gas attack can the and gas move can. on. Yep. I've, I've, I have literally watched bears come into camp, look at the food cache tent with an open door, stand there in that door, staring in at all those goodies, and you can just see the gears turning. And they're going, look at all that free grub. But I ain't going in that tent. That's just too dangerous to go <laughs> There's in there. a free high right There's over there. There's got to be can. a gas can someplace. <laughs> that's, just, that's funny. You know, hang a piece of moose meat in a tree, and they'll tear that down every time. But they, them brownies just don't seem to want to go into that tent. You know. Hmm. Uh, now, if you hadn't been around for a couple of weeks, probably change your mind. But uh, when that... The human scent's fresh. They're not as willing to take they a They got chance. a pretty good nose on them, don't they? Oh, yeah. You ain't getting nothing past their nose. So we start walking up to camp. And the way the path kind of went, the first thing I could see was the back of the cook tent that now had a double-wide door in it. <laughs> it didn't before? It did not before. It used to have a window <laughs> with a screen. And now it's got a double-wide door that you could carry your new bride through. Without so this wasn't a bear-proof tent? No, not a bear-proof tent. And oddly enough, to everybody who, when they get in a tent, does not want to sleep by the door, <laughs> this was the back of the tent. <laughs> so it came right through the side. So at this point, are you... Obviously, you're not sure if the bear's here or not. Well, are guns drawn or anything? Like, are no, you, I've got I've got my pistol. Like handy. Still, it's, it's, it's in its holster, it's but it's still loose. Holstered. Okay, it's loose. I got the, the straps the locked on. off. Yeah, I mean it's ready to come out. But like okay. I said, we just pulled up in the boat. We're talking. We're making noise. I'm confident that the bear's not standing right here, but knowing that it's still a possibility. So uh, the closer we get, I can see that he has taken everything that was in that tent pulled it out through that double door and has it drug down through the woods. The cook stove, the propane tank, all all the cooking utensils, uh, food. So he had some time there. Oh, <laughs> like, he'd been there for hours. <laughs> he showed up the moment you guys left. <laughs> so I can't believe they just and, left all this here for me. Right, and, and oddly enough, I'm looking at boy, a lot of it hasn't even been eaten yet, you know. And we'd had a lot of rain, and so like things like napkins and paper towels and stuff like that, were wet 
but not falling apart. Not falling apart. So I really think that he had gotten there that morning, and now here it is noontime. He might and, be on uh, his way back. He's so I, I don't really think he'd been there very. I mean, he'd been there for a while, but he'd just gotten there that day. And, um, and uh, we walk over to the other tent, the one we'd been sleeping in, and could have been. James could have been myself, one of us. We didn't zip that that tent down all the way when we left. Mm-hmm. It was like two-thirds of the way down. Oddly enough, the bear went through that front door. Oh, yeah. And you could see where he started to, like, bite at it. But when it opened up, he's he like, just oh, I'll just, I'll just use like, the door. Oh, I'll just use the door. <laughs> and then he went. And he flipped the cots over that had sleeping bags on them. And kind of looking for a cliff bar bag m and whatever he was looking for but damaged nothing so if you don't and want your stuff ruined just leave the door open leave and they'll the door be polite open. about right. it right i mean just leave the thing hang open they'll use it <laughs> you the tell only, that to a client before only, you go to bed right. like, we're just going to leave this the door, door open, open. <laughs> he'll just walk in right there he won't touch but, nothing you'll be so fine the only thing he bothered in that tent was i had a bottle of listerine that got left behind that was on the wood stove he bit into that Still and in clearly shots. didn't, uh, he didn't like Listerine, but <laughs> so it had spilled and soaked into one of the sleeping bags that he had thrown on the floor, you know, and that was it. I was like, nosed around, flipped stuff up, walked out, no problem, went didn't back destroy to, the tent. went back to making a mess of the other one. <laughs> so satisfied that the bear's not around, start rooting down through the woods, find some garbage bags that drug all over the place and start cleaning up the mess you know we got three hours of cleaning up here to do now and try to put camp back together see what's destroyed what's not now, do you keep any sort of like tent repair kit whether it's just twine and some oh i've got a needle and thread but i didn't know if like just even if a even a tarp to just oh drip. we've always got tarps okay yeah, there's tarps i just everywhere. something yeah. to, like we got tarps it's everywhere. not i guarantee it's not the first time yeah. you've had a bear come in camp no, no. it's not it happens but, uh, pretty much every year but uh, and i continue to use that tent the rest of the season we mm. just had two doors now <laughs> <laughs> like we had a, a lovely bear came over and right. installed this, <laughs> installed other, door this for other door for us now you don't have to walk <laughs> all the way around if you come from this side. <laughs> so we're cleaning up and i'm talking to to james i'm like well at least we know we can kill a bear here tonight and he's like what do you mean i says well we're gonna make sure that there's nothing in the way here like that propane tank (laughs) (laughs) and when he comes back tonight to finish with the mess he's made we're gonna come out of the tent and we're gonna shoot him right here at camp and he gets this blank look on his face and i'm like what's the matter he goes we're gonna sleep here (laughs) (laughs) thought you guys were going back to a hotel (laughs) i'm like well well, yeah, didn't you come up to shoot a bear? He goes, yeah, out there, not in my tent tent. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's going to come back. That's a great she opportunity said, well, we'll to shoot him. We'll move your tent over there, and we'll hunt him here. And uh, he's like, I don't know. He goes, I'm not, I don't know if I like the idea of uh, hunting from my well, sleeping bag. <laughs> sleeping here and, and waiting for this thing to come back. He goes, I'd feel better if we were shooting it. And I'm like, all right, we'll find them. We'll, we'll get you out of here, and we'll, we'll come up with a better plan. So I said, it's let's see a pretty good plan because if you shoot him, then he's not going to no come packing. back in the camp. Right. <laughs> so we start cleaning everything up. And I said, well, we'll just load our, get stuff cleaned up, load some stuff up in the boat, and get stuff that's garbage. We'll head back down. And, and we had a, a fish lodge we were using. I said, we'll spend the night down there and kind of regroup and 
figure out what we're going to do. And because uh, obviously this camp's going to take a little while to put back together if we're going to just stay here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are the clients yeah. usually pretty uneasy after a bear comes into camp? Like, do they feel almost like yes. violated to where they're like, I know that he could do this anytime, but now since he's done it, it it's now almost, I don't. That, right. Reality sets in. Yeah. So and, <laughs> and, and I get it. They, you know, Especially being the first there. time up there. Correct. You know, I, I've made literally 50 trips up there, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I've had a lot of bear encounters from as harmless as could be to pushing the limits of, wow, that was just that was not close. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I get it when they're not comfortable. And if, and if you're not, I'm not going to make you stay there and, no, and deal with that situation. So you're, I mean, you're, part of your job is to make sure they have an enjoyable time up correct. there. Correct. Correct. So we're cleaning up, making plans that we're going to, you know, go back to the fish lodge and we're going to stay there. And the next thing I know, I hear, the bear's back, the bear's back. <laughs> I'm looking around, I'm like, I haven't heard a gun go off. Right. <laughs> I'm like, well, where is it? He goes, it's in the boat. <laughs> he climbed into the boat. Firing it up. While uh, you guys were cleaning up. While we are cleaning up, he came back and climbed in the boat, which now this really is odd to me, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he's yelling, the bear's back, the bear's back. I'm like, well, shoot the damn thing, you know. <laughs> so the gun goes off. Bear's down there by the boat. I get over there, and it's laying there, and it come out of the boat with a Costco tote in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's piled up right there. I mean. He dropped the bear right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. That is, right there. That's awesome. I mean, tote still off his nose, his feet just out of the boat. I mean, there it is. Picture perfect. That's crazy. And, and I get down there, and it's a black bear. Oh, uh, really? And when it, well, perfectly legal. Okay. It's perfectly legal. The bear tag is, I mean, he's got a brown but bear we, tag. He there's can put never that on. black bears around. Never black bear. I mean, I shouldn't say never. We, yeah. we have killed, but they are so, such an oddity. Uh, and when he was yelling, the bear's back, the bear's back, he at one point, said i told you it was a black bear and i'm like well i'm hearing the bears back i didn't yeah my black brain, back right yeah. so it didn't you know but but when i walked up and saw this black bear i'm like it all made sense to me that's mm -hmm. why you know the gas can wasn't destroyed he wasn't he didn't as totally destroy into it, it. Yeah. you know he was here in the daylight doing this and that yeah i mean all everything kind of came back together. typical black bear thing right. not typical, brown bear things. right exactly so uh we ended up with with a black bear. <laughs> <laughs> so was your client happy with the black bear? Uh, well, no, not really. I mean, it wasn't what he came up there for, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, the hunt was—we only had a couple of days left, and it was kind of like, well, <laughs> we solved a problem. Yeah, uh, you got a little some, excitement. You, right, you did get something. So, uh, but uh, we kind of cleaned up and went back down to the fish camp for the last couple of days. Did some fishing and mm -hmm. had a little bit of fun and. And uh, he went home happy. I mean, obviously disappointed that didn't the get brown, brown bear hunting didn't pan out. But uh, you still did get a he bear. He still got well, a heck we, of a story to tell. Well, the, we, right. He ended up with. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, he ended up with better stories than a yeah. lot of guys that that uh, that have come up there and shot brown bears. So it was it was a pretty good deal, really, in the end. It's yeah. neat though that like I mean, his first time in Alaska like that. That sort of high stress situation, like you said, typically people, you know, they got their tripod, they're just getting ready, right. make the perfect. This guy's watching a bear. He's already on edge because he just totally ripped your camp apart. Right. And now it's like he walks out to the boat, <laughs> and the bear's jacket. there, and, and he, the bear's there in the boat, and going he, through it like a yeah, Christmas probably time. freehands this thing and just drops <laughs> it right there. That's so impressive on his end. To I just was happy the motor didn't get shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so.
but uh, yeah so anyways good good deal a lot of fun that was the early bear hunt yeah and then uh, so now we got moose season coming up and uh, we had actually been seeing you know a regular occasions cows in the river you know that's a good and, sign at this time oh, of year ab- absolutely absolutely you always like seeing them cows walking back and forth and you know like i said being in a new spot that had never hunted before it was very very encouraging so we get hit going moose season and uh do you have any had, any I, guys from the early season where they still there for moose or like combo hunters or nope, did you have a full nope, fresh nope. we've got a whole fresh new batch of guys that came in for for moose and moose season so i had to pull out i ran back down to Equawk for a few days had to help get some people in and shipped off to different camps this that and the other thing and clayton who you yep. guys have met and uh, sean uh, they came in and they went back up and finished they put up another tent in that camp so we had an extra tent for moose hunters and uh just kind of tidied up a little bit so we were ready to go and when i came back up with clients they were telling me that you know they had two two good bulls up river just you know a quarter of a mile that they were seen the day before and uh they had gone up on the hill to do some glassing and they'd seen a couple bulls out in the tundra you know not not accessible bulls that we could hunt but they were bulls we could call to and and try to get to come our way and stuff like that so uh, we had pretty high hopes for, for moose season. And uh, so we got going, got started, and like I said, we'd picked out a few key points on the, you know, with our maps and our Onyx hunt, uh, stuff like that, that we really wanted to, to spend some time at because we thought yeah. there'd be quality places to, for moose corridor travels and stuff like that. And uh, about three days in, Clayton was upriver and, uh, called in a bull that came in but was silent the whole time until they were getting ready to leave. They were actually climbing into the boat to leave, and uh, they were going to come back down to camp, and actually a little bit early, but uh, the river had been a little low at that point, and Clayton knocked a hole in the bottom of the boat. Not terrible, but it had to be fixed. He couldn't keep hunting out of it. So they were getting ready to come back. Well, as they were getting in the boat, the moose grunted a couple times and popped out and was like, right there you know and uh it was like 180 or 200 yards away but but they got eyes on it and it was a really nice bull and they got kind of got whirled around kind of quick and client shot and hit the bull uh the first time missed it with the second shot and the bull kind of got into the brush on him and uh you know things happened kind of fast and just didn't pan out very well. We never did find that animal. Uh, we were able to. Clayton was able to follow the track for about a mile and a half, literally, and uh, it got out onto the tundra. And we'd had a lot of. There been a fire up there the year before, so once you left that river corridor, it was burnt tundra. But those moose were using that burnt tundra, mm-hmm. and uh, so you could follow it real easy. And it bled for a little while and dried up and could still follow that fresh track to that burn pretty good and it never laid down never stopped moving and just eventually got it back down into the bottom of the river where it got thick and nasty and they lost it so now how does your camp work if you draw blood on an animal is that your tag that's your tag okay uh, the resource is just too scarce and valuable yeah i i kind of i I think i knew the answer to that but i figured just to 
vocalize it for anybody listening. Yeah, yeah. If you if we know you hit it, we can see blood. You know, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll keep looking for it as long as we can for you. But that's, yeah, that's your animal. Now, how hardy is a moose? Like I know, like our experience whitetail hunting with a rifle, you can put it right on the front shoulder and whatever rifle you're using is going to blow right to that front shoulder. Is yeah. it the same with a moose or do you no, have to hit? No, you need to match cage? your you need to match your bullet to that animal because there's a lot of a lot of bone, a lot of muscle and a lot of hide. So if, if you go up there with your, you know, 150 grain 270 whitetail round, not a good idea. It's not going to punch no. through the front shoulder no. of a, a moose. No. I I I always like telling people, and I don't care if you're shooting bears or moose or whatever, Treat it like you're shooting your bow. If you slide behind that shoulder, through the lungs, we're going to get that animal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you take out both of his lungs, we are going to get him. After that, I mean, marginal shots have marginal recoveries. Yep. So, uh, and that's, and like I said, you'll find guys will argue over shot placement, and, you know, you'll talk to the guys that say, hit him on the shoulder and break him down, and yada, 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 and, you know, Whether you break it down work, or not, it works for you great. But I'm telling you, it's been my experience. If you take his lungs out, there's not an animal. We will get that animal. You take both lungs out. There's not an animal that can survive on this planet. Correct. So and you're usually going to find them within 50 to 100 yards at mm-hmm. worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So especially with the the <clears throat> energy behind a rifle, sometimes I, mean, I don't know about a moose, but mm-hmm. I know a whitetail. A lot of times you put it behind the shoulder. A lot of times they fold up right there anyway. Yep. Yeah. So. You're not going to fold a moose up unless you hit him in the spine. <laughs> but uh, Have you seen, like, uh, other than, like, a, a spine shot, like, have you ever seen somebody just, a moose just folds? The only ones I've seen fold is one one of my clients, one of your shot, one right between the eyes at about 70 yards. On purpose? On purpose. It was staring <laughs> at us, and I'm like, wait for him to turn. All of a sudden, the gun went off, and the moose disappeared. I'm like, what, what the, hell? the hell was that? And he's like, I shot him. And I'm like, Where'd you hit him? He goes, right between the eyes. And he went down there and he did. He couldn't have been any more centered up between his eyeballs. And that thing was folded up dead as could be right there. I mean, it disappeared quick. So, But I don't recommend that shot. Either. No. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't Not aim that, for the client like, either. You know. uh, again, there's, just because something works doesn't mean it was right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I, I like broadside shots. I like double lung shots. I yeah, big um, fan. I'm a big believer in matching your bullet to the animal. Uh, you can bring a thirty out six up there, and if you've got the right charge behind it, the right bullet coming out of that cartridge, it it's a very deadly round. You know, well placed bullets much better than a big bullet in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, when people start talking about how big a gun do I need, you know, my response is always the same. I want you to bring the biggest gun you can shoot straight. You know, I don't. Need yeah, you to can go up there with a forty-five seventy, or, a, but yeah, if you can't hold the thing straighter, yeah, the four sixteen Rigby does us no good if you're going to hit it in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, because I've watched guys kill brown bears with thirty odd sixes, and, and they do just, it with bows too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But you take their lungs out, and we'll get them. So, um, like I said, you can find people that'll argue those parameters all day long, and more power to you. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with you, but yeah, you've yeah. got real world experience that shows yeah. what works this and what is, doesn't. This is what I what I believe in, and and it's worked for me. So, but so anyway, so Clayton has this wounded moose, and we, he did look for it for two days. Uh, never had any luck. 
Uh, I was with one of the other clients downriver. I had a moose answer a couple times. Uh, wasn't really fired up, but I told Clayton about it. I said, you know, we were on this side of the river calling, and I could hear him on the other side. It's a nice little pitch point, and, you know, there's really only about 250 yards of cover, and then you're out to the burn, so it was a real doable, quiet, sneak kind of hunt. And um, I said, go down there and, you know, see what yeah. you can find. Let hear somebody different, you know, and see what happens. Well, he went in there and he got the moose to, to grunt a couple times and respond, uh, but didn't want to really fire up real much. But it was a nice enough area they could kind of poke their way through, and lo and behold, they got eyes on him and shot one, you know, got one of them, a 57-inch bull. Very nice. Uh, uh, real nice, real nice animal, you know. And... Uh, the bull that was with it, you know, was actually just a little bit better. Not much, but a little bit better bull. Uh, had Clayton have had two guides with tags, they could have shot <laughs> double both. down they on moose them in Alaska. They could That's insane. Could you imagine crazy. doubling up on moose? Uh, yeah. It's cool work. enough for turkey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's two days well, worth of work. work right there. Yeah. So, uh, for our. But good deal, you know, they got a moose. I was going to say, you were talking about you couldn't really tell he was fired up. Um, but for our local listeners, is there a comparison to calling moose and like calling turkeys? Like a lot of times, like you call to a turkey and you're not even finished with your sequence and he's double, triple goblin back. Right. And sometimes he gives you that once in a while gobble. Yeah. You says, could call yeah, three times. I hear you and I ain't paying much attention. So is it similar to moose? Very similar. Very similar. Sometimes you'll make a call and the next 10 things you hear are him coming and he's on it like he's on a fishing line and you're just reeling them in and you can't stop him. And then the next time you'll get a woof. Yeah. Just and letting you know, Hey, I'm over here. If half you hour, come see half me. hour later, more. <laughs> and that's it. And you know, so, you know, they're not like elk that bugle obviously, but you, you've talked about it in the past and I don't know if it, you know, everybody could have some new listeners and stuff, but it is eerily quiet up in Alaska. So how, you know, they're just doing that, like that grunt, like you said, that just, uh, uh. how far can you hear that away? Oh, surprisingly far. I mean, that's several hundred yards. That's what I was getting at is it's eerily quiet up there to where you, yeah, it's literally like a cough. You could think, you know, in Pennsylvania, you know, oh, I'm hundreds of yards off the road and stuff there. It's quiet out here. Mm -hmm. You're still getting polluted noise from traffic and everything. Even though you can't hear it, it's polluting the sound. Yes. And up there, you said it, it's just different. None of that. It is. It's almost can hear your blood flow. Sometimes that eerily quiet will drive you nuts because you swear you're doing everything right and you're hearing nothing. You know, and it's like, I know moose can hear me. Yeah. You know, why won't they just? Yeah. Get any me moose s- within 700 yards is going to hear you. Hear I me. know there's at least one. Right, and they just won't talk. Hmm. Yeah, they just when until they're ready, you can do any kind of dance you want, sound you want until they're ready that ain't going to happen. So, but, uh, but like I said, it was, it worked out really good. Clayton's a pretty good hunter. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that moose gave his position away and he was in a spot where he could move quietly. Just kind of stalked and, it, really. And it, it took him a while. I mean, it wasn't like they just walked over and found him. I mean, they spent a couple hours trying to do a blind close, stock. close a few hundred yards of distance until they got to lay eyes on him. How so. spooky are moose? Um, they aren't flighty like a whitetail, but once they know you're there, they're not going to stick around. 
Yeah, they're 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 leaving. Yeah, but over like a whitetail, when he busts you, he'll come out of his skin, turned inside out, and yeah, gone at a thousand miles an hour. And yeah, Moose it could is, be two blocks. Moose, Moose is going to kind of look at you and be like, "Yeah, this ain't right," and he's just going to walk away, turn and go. Yeah, walk away. So, do they have a nose like a whitetail? Like, do you have to? Oh, play they got the a wind? great. They got a great nose. You got to play the wind. They got a great nose, and those paddles are just like beacons for drawing in sound. You know, you just you can't stress enough how important quiet is. You know. So you said and, you tell you everybody get their candy out of the wrappers if they're going to carry candy boxes. It, it amazes me. We just fed you breakfast an hour ago. And it's and as soon the as the bull's like you in do range, you like, get out of the boat as the candy wrappers are going and they're eating crackers. It's like I'm the fattest guy in camp, and I can go four hours without eating. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? That's I, I've said it before on here, and you know I'm not a small guy either, mm-hmm. and I'm the kind of person that like. I'm going to eat it if I have it. Yeah. So I just don't bring don't it. Don't take it. Because, like, I, I'm perfectly fine doing an all-day sit with a bottle of water. I don't even take but, a bottle of water with but, me. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine with that. But if I pack two sandwiches, two granola bars, of you know, an apple, mm-hmm. all of it's going to be gone by 9 a.m. <laughs> like, but, but I can do either. I'm fine either way. But right. whatever gets packed is getting eaten before Abs- lunch. Absolutely. I'm so, with you 100%. <laughs> so it's like I so. – you know, it's for me. It would just be best if I was in Alaska. Don't bring the candy bars because I won't miss them. But right. if they're there, I'm gonna be. You're yeah. gonna be screwing up your hunt with them. <laughs> no, that's. I don't ever bring anything with loud rappers. I'm yeah. usually. Well, it was funny. The one, the one of the guys that was there hunting with us, he had like a set of earbud type things that were like those ampl- amplifier amplifiers. Yeah. yeah, that he was wearing, and uh, it, one of my biggest complaints. I and. Sorry, Kuyu and Sitka, but I hate your rain gear. It makes way too much flipping noise. Uh, <laughs> they got great products. I get it, but it's just too loud. It's and, t- it's tough for good rain gear to, to be quiet, right. though. And quite hey, often, I'll, I don't care how hard it's raining. If I get something going, I dump my rain gear. Yeah, I, I'd I, rather I, be wet and kill a moose than dry, dry, and, dry ruin and, and ruin it. Correct. So. I, I can totally agree with that. Because yeah. like, even like the best rain gear in the world is a rubberized suit yeah. and it's loud as and hell it's loud as hell I think so you get cool. a good set of wool bibs and a wool coat it absorbs a, a lot, lot of water yeah before yeah. you start getting wet well yeah. that's that's why and i you'll switched still be warm that's why yeah. i switched to wool is because wool will hold 80 percent of its heat when wet. it's wet yeah or cotton holds like nothing 10 <laughs> so it's like so i would rather be wet and warm than yeah. wet and cold yeah, or loud like, it takes a lot to work through that wool to get down. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be heavy as hell, though. Yeah. I will yeah. say that. A wet wool bibs are... They get heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but so, at least you'll so kill this, something. Yeah. So the one client who had these earbuds in, you know, at one point we were hunting and we had a moose going, and you know, I kept trying to stress to everybody to be quiet. Well, he's listening to us walk with those earbuds, and, and it's kind of rainy out. And he's like, I couldn't believe how loud that rain gear was with them earbuds. And I'm like, all right, here's what I want you to understand right now. What you heard with those earbuds in your ears on that rain gear is the same thing that Moose was hearing at 400 yards with them big amplifiers on his head. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm so adamant about Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Because he can hear it, you know. And that's why I said a lot of times when things start to heat up a little bit, I don't care how hard it's raining, I dump my rain gear. Yeah, if it's raining that hard, there's no rain gear that's gonna keep you dry. (laughs) You either either sweat yourself wet on the inside, or or it soaks through whatever you're wearing. It's amazing what those animals can hear. I've had deer 
just clipping my release to my bow, just that little thing. And then all of a sudden that doe is, I mean, they're, they're staring at your eyeballs. Yep. Like it's not even like a, that direction. Yeah. They're it's, not like, uh, what was that? They're like, I know exactly yeah. what they're looking that was. right at that fat guy in that tree. Like right yep. there, you're done. <laughs> like how? So like there's, yeah, like you said, there's no way that they're not hearing that. No. Yeah. They, they do. So, but like I said, everything worked out real good for Clayton that, that day there. And we were about five days in six days in now on a 14 day hunt correct on a well it's 11, 11 days of moose hunting 11 days of moose yes. hunting so okay. we got a couple days left over then for for bear season so we all went in and uh the three hunters we had were part of a group so okay everybody was happy about participating somebody in the group killed a bear yeah we killed, killed a, moose. a moose we're all gonna go we're gonna take pictures we're gonna pack the thing out and uh, we're eating moose steaks tonight yeah so uh and i don't know i mean well, you guys know, last last Christmas, I gave myself a Christmas present. Uh, was a, a new knee, complete knee replacement. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah uh, we didn't bring so, that up on so, here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm eight months into into my new knee replacement. and uh, People are still trying to keep up with you in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I got the pleasures of packing out the two hinds for, you know. Well, the heaviest kind of, pieces. Wasn't it? Uh, it was a, a mile little round bit, trip. <laughs> it was a little bit of last moose season that kind of, drove uh, you to getting this new when, knee when I, yeah when we got done last year with moose and bear season i came out of the end of september and I, I mean i went through the whole season not a stitch of a problem and we cleaned up camp and we were literally putting away gear in town when my knee started to tighten up and uh, it was a knee i injured back in college and uh always knew this day was coming I, i've but, heard knee injuries will come back yeah <laughs> and uh but it like when it locked down on me it locked down and i couldn't straighten it out anymore and yeah you were walking when you got home and then it was like three days later you were on crutches, on crutches. we were podcasting at your house still and i remember seeing yeah. like holy smokes yep. like so but uh so i got to test it out pretty good you know eight months after a total knee replacement i was packing hinds out and we were climbing mountains chasing bears like i said the whole time and any pain or anything or just a no, little i was happy i was happy as a lark man i'm in alaska Bear have you noticed have you noticed any difference because I, I know you know um, your your leg you, they're not the same length but when you redo I, them <laughs> i i've told my doctor this and he told me i'm nuts but i would bet a thousand dollars that leg's a half inch longer than the other one now longer than whatever the difference what was, was before Mm-hmm. And because uh, it just and, and I know it's going to take a while. Like I said, it's has it still hasn't been a year yet. You know? Yeah, but uh, it just it moves different. It walks different. And but it's, I just didn't know if I that throws off your balance or your hiking or just uh, awareness of ground. Yeah, no, I, I need to pay a little more attention to, it. and it's getting better all the time. You know, well, that's like, good. When I was up in the spring, I really had to think about every step I took climbing a hill. And, and that's yeah, four when you were months up in the spring. After, you're only that, four months yeah, after only four surgery. months out. Did yeah. your doctor know you were doing that? Like four months later, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> they don't recommend it. Here, here's what I'm defaulting to. When he put my knee in, one of the questions I asked him, I said, "What kind of range of motion can I expect to get out of this? And what can I do to get this thing back in shape as fast as I can?" And his response to me was, there was nothing I was going to do that was going to undo what he did. All right. And so, so, you're good to go. so, he, <laughs> so you, didn't, you didn't elaborate was, what that meant to you. Just he thought you were going to go walking down the street with your wife yeah. in the morning. We can just walk the dog a few extra so, times this week. No, I'm going to go to Alaska. <laughs> I, I was literally two and a half months after surgery with 100 pounds on my back doing sets of 25 and squats and deep squats. 
I mean, full-blown legal beyond 90 squats. And uh, the therapist was, like, losing his mind. <laughs> and I just kept telling him, Doc said, I can't undo what he did. <laughs> yeah, Doc said, I'm good, I'm doing it. I mean, what's, so, a, what's a quarter on a moose? What's that way? Buck and a quarter to buck and a half. So you're basically prepping for that, yeah, essentially. That, you're was, like, that was my mindset. And, and I'm not ever looking to try to be that guy in the gym who's stronger than everybody else ever again. Gym muscles are different but, than those muscles, though. Yeah, but, yeah. but I do, like I said, I, what I want to do is I want to be able to do lots of repetitions. Yeah. You know? And if it's with 100 to 135 pounds on my back. It's useful. You I know can, you can carry a moose hind right. quarter and you're good to go. Yep. I don't need to be that guy who can squat six, 700 pounds anymore. You know, not yeah. necessary. I got nothing to prove. Yeah, you've been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, so anyway, so we got a moose on the ground. Great. Good deal, you know, and we're all happy and stuff. And uh, two days later, Clayton takes uh one of the, well, actually he took the dad in who had wounded the bear or a moose earlier because really wanted to see dad was there with his son and son-in-law is what it was mm-hmm. so you know he was kind of they were having fun everybody's having a good time we said hiking around climbing mountains glass and seeing stuff glass and and uh but really wanted to see dad get get a shot at something well they walked in to that moose kill hoping to find a bear well lo and behold they did and uh, it wasn't having nothing to do with it. <laughs> and it ended up getting shot at about 20 yards <laughs> by everybody. <laughs> wow. Flat out, full on, ears pinned. One, two, three. <laughs> coming. And um, it was just like everybody went into self-defense mode. <laughs> and uh, one of the bullets. So 20 yards. They 20 yards. At charging, top. essentially. Oh, yeah. It, was, it wow. was flat out coming. Full stride at 20 yards when one of the bullets hit it right through the lower jaw. And that piled it up. I tell you, well, that's a hell of a story to take back. Home. Oh yeah, so they had a great story. That that's, was, there's probably his daughter is at home. That was the son-in-law. Well, they weren't. They weren't allowed to tell anybody back home what just took place. <laughs> that's <laughs> a secret. So, so do we have to blank anything out here on the? Oh no, everybody knows now. But, uh, so it, uh, yeah, it. Because uh, I can imagine, exciting. you know. Father, son, son-in-law. There is a daughter at home, right? That is married to that <laughs> There's guy. There's a daughter and a daughter-in-law. At home, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they it, can I mean, never all, know it about this. It all worked out good. So, uh, so we got a moose and a bear down. One moose wounded. You know, three guys hoping to take home three moose and three bears. You know, in a 14-day hunt, which is a pretty tall order. It's a very tall. But and, and they to, probably know that. Oh, they do. I mean, it's they're, they're, these guys were great. They were very realistic. You know, they wanted to be able to do this and. You know, and then they understood that, you know, what happens if I buy a moose tag and you buy a bear tag, you're going to see moose and I'm going to see bears. And, you know, just, yeah. and so they just, everybody, was, buying everybody was prepared for whatever was going to happen. And uh, we were off to a good start. Well, from that now, day can forward. You, I know you can add tags later, but how does that work on the guiding side where if somebody books a moose hunt and then it's like, hey, actually, I'd like to shoot a bear now. Okay. So. In Alaska, we are allowed to tag down. So if you have a tag, we'll just say a moose tag. Okay. You can put that moose tag on any animal whose tag is equal or lesser value. Okay. All right. Uh, that kind of, so that's why the black bear could legally be tagged with, okay. a, with a brown bear tag. Gotcha. All right. Because a black bear tag is $450. So it's value of the tag. Value of the tag is what okay. makes it the difference. You, and you can't combine tags. I can't take a black bear tag and a 
caribou you know, tags. And a caribou <laughs> tag and go shoot a moose. It doesn't work that way. Only tag Start I bought 17 yeah. wolf tags. Yeah. Right. I think I could what? get a moose with this. Where yeah, do I exchange this? It doesn't, doesn't work that way. So. What is the highest valued tag? The brown bear tag. brown bear tag. It's $1,000. So if you get a brown, brown bear tag. more than moose? Yes. Yeah, that's that always surprised me. Too. Yeah, because yeah. the natives are, they like the moose. They don't they don't really Correct. care about them. Their brown no, bear. No, they want the brown bears all dead. So, but so if you have a brown bear tag, you can shoot a moose, assuming it's in season. Yeah, uh, and you can put your brown bear tag on it. Now, so do you recommend that to most of your clients? Um, it all depends on what you want to do. I mean, if, if you if you were coming up here on a one animal hunt, all right, and you wanted to shoot a moose. But in the back of your brain, you're going. I'd rather come home if, with something than. Well, not even something. If if, if you, if you want to just come home with some, with something and you'd shoot any bear, I'd say, well, then just buy the couple tags and, and do whatever. But but if you're that guy that really doesn't want a bear, but if a nine and a half, ten footer steps out, you'll shoot him. On the last then, day. On the, yeah, well, at any <laughs> point in time, you know, yeah. something really special steps out. I'd say, well, then buy a brown bear tag. And you can still hunt. And we'll go moose hunting. And we'll go moose hunting. And then, you know, and what's going to happen is you're going to kill that animal that wasn't what you booked your hunt for. So you're going to have to have some kind of preparation with your outfitter as to how that's going to play out, you know, because there's probably going to be a kill fee involved. Yeah, because moose hunts and brown bear hunts cost a different amount of money. Different amount of money. And now you're going to want to turn around and keep moose hunting. Yeah, so you got to go into a combo now. So now you've become a combo hunter. you got to buy another tag. I mean, so you really just have to sit down and think about so, why are you coming up here what are you trying to accomplish uh, and how much money do you want to spend so you know because if you're not ready to spend another six eight ten thousand dollars in a kill fee for a bear plus a thousand dollar tag um then by all means just buy your moose tag and go shoot your moose and if the that bear steps out you're well, yeah, sorry, you're SOL. Right, so, right you're, that, so, you know that, that's that's something that only you can figure out for yeah. yourself, and then I can give you advice and and explain to you what your options are. And and I, being an assistant guide, I don't get into somebody else's financial end. So I work for Mike, and whatever contract is between you and him and the financials, quite frankly, I don't need to know what you paid for your hunt, what you paid for kill fees. You know, yeah, that's kind of irrelevant to me. I'm here to just help you find the animal. You gotcha. Know? Uh, I don't want to get mixed up in the financial end of things. Gotcha. You know, because we, we might have a guy in camp who booked a hunt three years ago and for whatever reason couldn't come. So he paid three years ago prices. You booked your hunt last week and paid this year's prices. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that's got to sit there and explain. Like you're paying an extra why, five grand. Why this guy paid a different price than you. Yeah. And that, that, that. It's like. I don't want anything to do with it, you know. So I want to go hunting. <laughs> yeah. What happens if so? You buy um, the brown bear tag. Mm-hmm. Moose comes out. You shoot it. You put your your brown bear, brown tag, bear on. tag goes on. Did you waste the opportunity to kill a brown bear now because your brown bear tag went on the moose, or could you say, you okay, I killed another a, one? You can you, buy another brown bear tag. In our area, we are allowed two brown bears a year, so you could buy another brown bear tag. So okay. You shoot a second brown bear. Could Some you parts shoot of a Alaska? second moose? What's that? Could you shoot a second moose with that or no? You could shoot one moose. So you could buy another brown bear tag. But you can't put that one on a moose. Yes, you could put that one on a moose also. You can put two on a moose? No. You, we put the first tag, the first brown bear tag, Nick said, went on to a bear. Oh, okay. So we bought a second brown bear yeah. tag. 
we're allowed two bears in our area. So you're yeah. allowed to own a second brown yeah, bear. Yeah, but you can't okay. put two bear tags on one moose. No. Or on two moose, I mean. Yeah, okay. correct. No, you can't do that. Uh, yeah, okay. So, I guess I didn't know that you could kill two brown bear. Yeah. I was thinking you in, could in only our, get one in, brown bear. In our area. Now, some areas you're allowed one brown bear a year. Some you're allowed one brown bear every four years. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, everything gets very specific. To where you're at. To where you're at. So you've got to you got to kind of be careful there. You know, don't don't start taking things that I say and applying them to a statewide. Well, that's because yeah. that's I mean, uh, you guys have a 50 inch minimum where you're at. Correct. There's other places in Alaska that have no minimum. Correct. And I've seen guys that, that you know, they'll they'll kill like a 40 inch bull and they're like, yeah, this is, this is great and stuff. And I'm thinking, am I? I'm like, that was illegal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I know that the minimum where they're at is 50. So right. like can't be that big of a bull <laughs> but, but i mean it's still an impressive bull i mean like because yeah, yeah. even yeah. an alaskan you know a 40 inch bull up there mm-hmm. is still going to beat 90 percent of the newfoundland moose that oh, get absolutely. killed yeah. um yeah. obviously it comes at a and, price and, but and, and spreads really one of the worst things to judge a moose on. no because the, the paddles can change so much the shape and, and the brow tines and, and yeah, all that there's stuff a lot goes into them but but they had to set it was just an easy standard. It's kind of like the three-up rule we have in PA. Right. It's not really because we have a three-year-old spike. Yeah. That, I mean, he's got four-inch bases. <laughs> like, yeah. what am he's I supposed 12 to? inches tall. Yeah. <laughs> like, legally in PA, he's not legal. But I could kill one that's two years younger that's got good genes. So it's right. not, It's like you said, it's not the best, but they got to they gotta draw a line somewhere. Right. Correct. So. But so we got, a, we got a pretty good season going. We're five, six days in. Things are going pretty good. And it never fails when you're in camp. Everybody's always, what's the other camps here? See, what are the other camps getting? What are the other camps? Little grass is greener feeling. Right, you know. And and we really aren't having a bad season. You know, it hasn't been like booming. But yeah, you've had some years. But where you're it's six like days in, and you've already of, had three animals get shot at. Correct. Two correct. down. Yeah. It's, yeah. And we've glassed some others that were unobtainable, but. They were You're in seeing our, them, yeah. They're in our area, so. You got a shot. Yes. Well, come to find out, we are the only camp out of five camps that's having any luck. And so you are the camp to be at. <laughs> we have turned out to be the camp. To be <laughs> the grass at. was now, very we brown here, on the We other weren't side. hearing stuff all the time. You know, we were, it mm-hmm. was really quiet for us. But the couple times we did hear something, we were able to lay eyes on it, see stuff, make a move. And stuff happened. Nobody else was having that. It was dead silent everywhere else. Uh, one other camp shot a 56-inch bull that they basically spot and stalked. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were out on a lake, and uh, they were in a spot where they could glass. They were seeing a couple other animals, but it was dead silent for them too. So the other camps aren't having quite as nice a hunt as. Clayton and I are having at this. So, point. so does your camp start getting a little full, or so? No, no, it's, no, it's not set up that way. Okay. You know, you just you can't. How just far start... are camps apart? Thirty miles apart. So it's not like you're going to yeah. bump into another hunter. No, you could. I mean, but we try. We do that on purpose so yeah. that you're not hunting on top. You of pay that kind of money to go hunting. You don't right. want to be. We, we bumping deliberately into are trying to spread people out. You know, as much as we possibly. And our outfitters pretty cordial. With each other, like, hey, this is kind of where we're trying to set up. I'd appreciate it. Some of them, some of them, uh, some are better at it than others. And uh, it, it, the long and the short of it is the way the laws are in Alaska. I can set a camp up, and you can come down and set a camp up right next to me. If it's on state land, 
There's no exclusive rights areas there. They can camp right next to you, literally. Want a coffee? We're having breakfast <laughs> yeah, together. Breakfast together. Yeah, you want a coffee? They can legally do that. You got extra coffee in your, in your uh, coffee <laughs> We're maker? We're a little low over here. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's unfortunate that's the way. But like, not, and I've never had anybody do that to me. But you know, over, the, yeah. over the years, I have had guys on top of us. Un- encroach and, a little bit yes, more than you'd like them to. Yes, and I've had some grumpy pusses and, you know. Oh, when you set up camp, like, how far from camp? Will you like to travel upriver or downriver? Ideally, I like to try to, from a camp, I like to be within about six river miles. And the reason for that is I can usually cover that in my boat in about 20 minutes. Okay. And that lets me hunt that most crucial hours, morning and night. Yeah. Because you don't want to as navigate the river when it's dark. Right. If I got to travel an hour to get someplace, I just wasted the best hour of hunting, running my boat, making a bunch of noise. And vice versa, in the evening, to safely get you back to camp, I've got to surrender the last hour of the day that I don't want to surrender. So uh, what I will typically do, and I, I have a little safety meeting with all the clients when they come into camp and I explain what we're going to do and I am fully capable of running the river in the middle of the night. Don't care to do it. It's too dangerous. If we have to, I will, but only if we have to. And you don't want us to have to. And I don't want, right. No, <laughs> yeah, that's an emergency situation. Yeah, that's that's needs, not for yeah. fun. So if we're out hunting and I'm looking at my watch, I'm watching the sun's going down, it's getting dark, and we've got nothing happening. I mean, there's not a being made we're going to bug out we're going to get back to camp safely because that's more important than standing here and calling that moose in when it's too dark to see him and judge him and say that's a legal bull and now all we did was give him a snoop full of us and we had to walk away from him anyways yeah you know yeah uh, makes sense if you know he's coming and he's fired up and i'm going we got 10 minutes of daylight left and He's going to be another 10 minutes getting here. I'll stick it out with a chance to kill him. And then it might be a slow, miserable ride back to camp in the dark. But, but you've got a moose on the ground. we so got it's a like... moose on the ground. So, you know, we'll, we'll do what, what it has to be done. But I do my best to not run the river at night. And like I said, I've made plenty of trips in the dark, pitch black. Um, just try not to do it when I don't have to. So, that makes sense. Yep. So as we're finding out how quiet everybody else is having how miserable it is it was kind of a morale boost to our camp who was having a lot of quiet hunts yeah nothing was happening but they're like yeah they've been but, getting the morale the boost of animals time, right but they're going, every couple days wow, we're, we're having some slow hunts here and not here and seeing as much as we were hoping to but we're head and shoulders ahead of everybody else yeah we've got so, two animals on the ground yeah, <laughs> yeah but still you're only six seven days into the hunt and they've already got three successful hunts like correct that's pretty freaking good odds yeah get like we're, we're two doing... successful hunts in four yeah. months of hunting up here <laughs> yeah like yeah, say so... you hunt a morning and an evening right. hunt for seven days that's 14 yeah. hunts and you got three animals yes like that those are pretty freaking good odds yeah so that no, we, we were definitely doing okay you know yeah so after they had their bear we ran into about a four-day lull where 
nobody was hearing nothing. Mm. And we were kind of like back to what everybody else had. Yeah. And uh, I went up river with one of the guys and uh, we got out and I typically when I get out of the boat, I'll park someplace, we'll sit quiet for 10 minutes, 15 minutes before we even move in at all, just to let that boat noise settle down. And we moved in about 100 yards off the river, try to just cancel out some of that water noise, started making some calls, and the next thing you know, we could hear commotion out in the river. Never heard a moose calling, but I could, we could hear a bunch of commotion in the river. So we really quick peeked our, you know, snuck our way back out to the edge of the river. Uh, we had a nice quiet little path we could follow. And here, there's a bear fishing out in the river. And he kind of come down, worked his way right down to us, and got into some current and panicked and swam himself right to shore, right, right in front, right in front of us, right between this little five-yard gap in the willows, and stepped onto the only clear gravel oh. bar. <laughs> he's just like shoot forty me. yards away from us. Wow! And he steps up and he's like looking right at us and looking at the clown. I'm like, he's right there, man. Just when he gives Shit. you the chance, take him. And the bear kind of gets there, and he just gets himself up out of the water, and he's kind of looking around. And the guy shoots, and the bear rears back, and boom, down into the bushes he goes. And I'm like, huh, pretty sure you just hit him. The way he reacted, he kind of got flung back. Mm -hmm. Well, we went down there and looked, and I found a spot where he hit the gravel right alongside the bear. He missed, ah. it, missed it clean. And... Uh, so you saw where his impact of the bullet was. Yeah, well, well we, we couldn't find it that night because it was getting towards the end of the evening. Yeah. And uh, so we had to come back the next day to look for him. And, uh, you know, con upon closer inspection of everything, I could see where the bullet made an impact in some gravel. And, uh, you know, we followed his track. and I No found blood it. or nothing. And there, yeah, so that then that case, you know, he's... You still, you can... I'm, 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 it's I, felt, I felt pretty confident that that disturbance I saw wasn't his foot. It looked to me like it was probably a bullet impact. I don't have any blood, even though the bear acted like he got hit. I think he just got... Scared. Spooked and... Wear back. back. Yeah. So he's free to keep his tag and keep hunting, so... So that's a discretion call on your part when it comes to that? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pull your tag if I'm not 100% sure you hit... Yeah, an animal. Yeah, no, blood. I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. That, yeah, yeah, blood is obvious. Like that's, that's you made you, contact with that animal. Correct. Yeah, correct. So because it's not a most of Alaska doesn't carry that that law. There's parts of it that does, but most of it doesn't. There, you're allowed to just go out there and wound nine animals. Uh, we don't think that's right. You know? no. Yeah, that comes to more a, more of a morality thing. Correct. Correct. And, and it kind of came full circle for us a few years back when we had a guy that came up and wounded two moose and a bear. Yeah, and I remember that. Yes, you were there that year. Yeah, I, I, I just, stood face to face with one of the bears that he wounded. So. <laughs> right. So it, uh, yeah, it, it, that kind of like. At, after that, that you're like, that, okay. You know, we can't have guys just coming up here thinking they're going to just fling lead and hope something good happens out of it. You need to come up to prepare yeah. to do what you're supposed to do. So, so anyways, you know, now we're really four solid opportunities. Yeah. Four times triggers have been pulled, you know, and, uh, but we're down to one last day of moose hunting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had been really super quiet. Well, we get back to camp and Clayton was with one of the other clients 
and they were kind of still watching that moose carcass to see if another bear would come back down to it. Mm -hmm. And while they were down there, Clayton said, hey, there was another bull grunting back to the north. Uh, just to, you know, the limits of me being able to hear him, but I could hear him grunting and raking. And uh, he's like, you might want to go after him. So for the, on the last day of moose season, I went in there with a the client, and it was about a three-quarter of a mile walk or better to where we really wanted to get to, to where we thought mm -hmm. we were going to be in the hunt, you know. But in my mind, I don't care if we got to walk a mile to get this thing going and then another little bit. It's the last day of moose season. You want a moose or not? <laughs> yeah, you want a moose, we'll get them out. Once we get them on the ground, we'll get them out of here. You know, it's, it's not going to be fun, but we'll get yeah. it done. So we go up in there and we kind of, we'd walk a little bit and call, walk and call and listen, walk and call. And uh, I finally get to where I really wanted to be. And we were really expecting the moose to be down in the river bottom. Because we had nothing but burn for three miles off the other side of us. And uh -huh. albeit we'd seen a lot of moose sign in the burn, it was just that travel sign. You know, they were yeah. moving and stuff and they weren't like they were just, laying out there in the sun you know and uh sitting there calling a little bit calling a little bit and i got my back to the burn i'm kind of really focused hard down into the the river bottom and uh all of a sudden i hear well and i mean way off into this far away as i could hear and i just spun my head around because it came i knew it was dead behind me and clients looked at me like what are you doing? I'm like, he's way out there. And lo and behold, when I pulled my maps up, there was a little ribbon of creek way out there, about a mile from us. You're like, he's probably that was that was had some green to it, mm -hmm. and he was probably out there. And finally, he came in, listening to us call our way up, and finally got close enough coming to us that I heard him. Mm -hmm. Well, we're down to about an hour of daylight left, and he's. He's coming, but... He's out there. And uh, I made a few more calls, and he got a little louder and a little louder, and now the clients are hearing him. And I'm just, like, watching my watch going, holy cow, he's got a lot of ground to cover. So I said, come on, we're going to try to help. Yeah, I so, mean, you've got you got nothing to lose. Yeah, You're so on now the last we're day. going across this big burned tundra area where there's very little cover. You can always see 75 yards plain as day. And usually closer to 100, you know. And I'm trying to like, well, there's a, a good bushy spot there. We can walk to that and then the next one and the next one. And we're trying to close the ground up. And we close up a couple hundred yards on him going in his direction. And he's always coming closer. And we get behind this one little stick, you know. There wasn't yeah. much for, for the three of us to hide behind. And I'm looking and listening. And all of a sudden one client goes, he's right over there. Well, here he had, was trying to circle us, and he was he out probably of, downwindy or something. He, he was. He, we had the wind in our favor. Everything was really set up good, other than we didn't have all the cover we wanted. And he was trying to get around us with well, a client. He goes, "I had seen him back at the other bush, and I didn't recognize him. He thought he was looking at a birch tree, white birch, because oh. this moose had just cleaned up and was bright white paddled, wow. and he was a stud. <laughs> I mean, a stud, and." Uh, as he started to move around, I, I kind of turned and looked. I'm like, holy Christ, that is him. And he's like, looks at me and goes, oh, he's legal. Just put 
put a bullet in him as mm-hmm. soon as you can. And he was kind of moving, and I made a couple of calls, just raking is all yep. I was doing, because that's what he liked. He didn't like cow calling. He didn't like grunting. He wanted to hear me rake. He was pissed. That's all he wanted to hear was rake. And he wasn't pissed, pissed, but he was steady coming. He wanted to investigate. And he kind of moved around, and then he started to come at us. And How far was he at this point? 80 yards. Okay. 85 oh yards. And when he turned and the, them two big white paddles showed uh. up, it was just like, Wow. <laughs> that's <laughs> a hell of a move. And I'm boost. like, I'm talking to the guy that's supposed to be doing the shooting. I'm like, he's right there. Just dump him, get a bullet in him. And Tony's whispering back there, I can take him. Like, I'm like, you already shot a moose. You can't shoot nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're watching, and I got my scope on. I got my scope right on his cross eyes. And the other guy's just, he's struggling to find this bull in his scope. And I don't know <clears> if he had the scope turned up too high or, or what he was doing, but I, I could just see the. The barrel doing oh, circles, searching, searching, and I guess I, I probably I need to start having this conversation with people before hunting starts because this this isn't the first time I've seen this happen. People are struggling to find the animal in their scope, and in the end, this moose looks at us for about a minute and then turns and goes. He finally figures out that. So he's You're standing not there 80 he's yards. He's standing there 80 yards, 75, 80 oh, yards from goodness. us at this point with like two little sticks in front of him. We got he's four sticks in front day. of us. And the guy just couldn't find it. And then when it turned and walked, he's like, I got him. I got him. And he finally got the scope up on him. Well, then he stepped into a thicket where he didn't have a shot. And he went through about 30 yards of that, then hit and broke into another wide open spot. And I had moved around the bush, and I'm following the whole time. You're like, just pull the trigger, and I'm going to give you one. All I need to hear is that gun go off and see a flicker of hair, and I'm So you can then, yeah. Yeah, because then I can help, but I can't help until you hit it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he never got it back in his sights, and it's left. And now we're down to about 20 minutes of daylight That's such a heartbreak. And, I mean, all three of us are looking at each other like, That was it. Like That was that was our chance and, and I, I'm the guy that hates to say it was a 70 inch bull because that's so hard to, of a number to hit mm-hmm. but this bull was probably, if you were going to say it he was 69 <laughs> and 15 16 <laughs> this bull was probably going to be a 70 inch bull I mean and, and it was it was you talk about heartbreaking because we had hunted so hard mm-hmm. and so long and finally got the animal we wanted right the in the perfect I mean, that, situation that's and, and that's the that's, epitome of a moose at that point. I mean, oh, to break seventy is that's got to be. Oh, cl- yeah. is, is that comparable to like your two hundred inch whitetail? Yes. Oh, okay. absolutely. Like, like yeah. I, I, that's what I kind of thought. That like yes. that seventy inch yeah. mark. That that is like the, yeah, the coveted very very two hundred inch. And you yeah, get very, very. like I've seen Boone and Crockett bulls that were not. Yeah, I, I have seen sixty three, sixty five. Yeah, I haven't seen. That's what I mean. Like you know, Boone and Crockett's what one seventy. 180? 170. Like, yeah. So you put another, like, that's your 63 to 70 jump. That's the 170 to 200 jump. Yes, like, it's exactly. yeah, just a it's totally hard. different animal. But, yeah, so you want to talk about taking the wind out of our sails. Uh, it was crushing. Just yeah. crushing. So now we're, you know, I said, well, we'll call our way back, and maybe we'll get lucky. But that was about, it. I'll be honest, it was a pretty half-hearted calling our way back i mean we were all pretty Every, low at that tails point. were tucked and you know and I'm, I'm trying to pause and call and 
they're Listen, just like they probably it, well, at that point and, and were even just, me my yeah the wind was out of my sails and that rarely happens because <laughs> you know, I'm pretty well, good you, at, as a as I'm a guide good wanted at pushing that. things right to the last minute because yeah. I've had too many hunts come that down happen to in literally that last minute of daylight I've killed bears I've killed moose that was that last possible minute yeah, that you it was could have taken. Silent until and some of them are on the very last day of the hunt and everything. And just, so I'm pretty good at keeping. It's happened. It could do it again. Yeah. Right. It's, it's happened not once. And it's happened repeatedly for me. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the last guy to let the wind go out of his sails. Yeah. And it was out of mine. <laughs> <laughs> it got to you that day. Uh, yeah. That one, because I was like, here it is. We got the last day. Last minute, we're winding down, and we're going to do it again. Yeah. And... Didn't happen. Wow, man. It's like, wow. Just yeah. wow, you know. And uh, we hunted, you know, so now moose season's done. We still got a couple of days to bear hunt. And and we did. And we actually, the clients on the last day that we could still bear hunt, they were like, you know what, guys? We've had a great trip. We're happy. Let's go spend the last night down at the fish lodge and just get cleaned up and ready to go. They were ready. They were good at calling. They shortened their hunt by a day. And and we didn't see any bears the last few days that we did hunt. And, mm-hmm. uh, but they still had a good time and were They satisfied. had a good time. They they recognized that they they had more opportunities than anybody else. And, and mean, messed were, up a few opportunities. Yeah, and but uh, it was all, all really good. So it uh, was a nice way to end the season. Uh, like I said, Things stayed quiet for everybody else. It was you guys a really slow year. Hot spot. We we were in the right spot. We we drew the lucky straw this year and mm-hmm. uh, made the most of what we had. And uh, but look forward to getting back up there and putting a permanent camp up there. We just kind of spiked up there this year, feeling and, it out. Yeah, and uh, definitely a spot you. I'd say on a slow to. year, uh, and you I'm, have that opportunity. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back up there and put a. We're going to put a permanent camp up there. And, mm-hmm. And, uh, now, is Mike pretty good about like trusting you? Like, hey, this is a spot we need a camp. And oh he, yeah, yeah. He's, I figured. I just we've gotten to know each other pretty good, and and uh, we got a great relationship. And I really like him, and I think he feels the same way. And you know, there's there's a, a real tight group of us, three or four, that really are the core of everything. And it's kind of like if we say something. It's, he trusts yeah. that that's it doesn't what really get it's questioned. not a conversation yeah. Yeah. it's just like okay how yeah. do we get it to what, what do we got to do to make this happen is this feasible you know and and we don't just like spit out ideas that are unrealistic ideas either. yeah you know because sometimes it's like boy it'd be really cool to be able to do this but yeah but it's going to cost way too much money and too many too much time too much time and you're going to invest way too much yeah it just in the end it doesn't make sense you know it might be cool but we don't have bottomless pockets you know yeah so, yeah, we understand that too. So, but, but I'm looking forward to getting a permanent camp up to this place. And then uh, I think I showed you guys. You guys got the picture of that bull. Yeah, running down the, the video. River. Yeah, you posted that on our Instagram. <laughs> that was the two that's days. A giant two, bull two days too. after the season closed. Yeah. You know, we were bear hunting, and that's yeah. Giant bulls running around. Yeah. And that and, and that bull was not the biggest bull we saw that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and that I, was a giant. I that talked to Brad on that one, and he he said that was a massive bull. Yeah, because I think Brad was in the boat. Yeah, uh, it, Sean, Clayton, who all was in the boat? I though? thought Brad said he was. No, in Brad it. wasn't. No, there, not for that one. He Brad was in. This the was boat. a kegs and eggs though. So <laughs> <laughs> Brad was a little tuned in. Well, I, I was too for 
<laughs> so it, I could have heard or misheard it. Yeah, I wasn't giving Brad a shot there. I was yeah, and it was me. really weird because if you look at that bull, he, that bull was seen on uh, like the seventeenth, mm-hmm. and that bull still has velvet hanging. Yeah, he's it. yeah. Wow. Which those bulls are usually have usually lost their velvet at the latest September third or fourth. Yeah, you we've o- I've only ever seen one bull still in velvet during the season, and it was like the fifth or sixth. Yeah, and it was probably a little bull. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. one a native shot. Yeah. And it was, I think, a 40-inch a bull. Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was just a really weird year. Everything was late. The moose, it, I'll tell you how slow the moose hunting was. They did something that I've never heard of them do before. They, by emergency order, Fish and game extended moose season by five days. Wow. For natives or for for just yeah, the, the, for the res no just the residents. Well, that because doesn't do they, any good because they, they don't care about the, the season anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them do. <laughs> no, but the, the point was was they weren't getting moose the for, for their freezers for the winter. Yeah, gotcha. So they and like I said, they extended it five days, and I've never heard of that. Up yeah, there. you've been up there twenty four years. Yeah, and they've and, never. And I'm not extended. saying they haven't ever done it someplace, but I've never heard it, especially down in our area. Yeah. So, so yeah, obviously it was nobody uh, was shooting yeah, moose. The, the moose were just they stayed out in their summer ranges later than usual, and were late coming down to the river. Now we saw as we were cleaning up camps, you know, we finally got out about the 23rd, finally had camps all put away and stuff like that. We had, uh, we had seen several bulls in the last few days that were yeah. starting to show up in the river. I mean, mm-hmm. so they, it wasn't like the animals weren't there. They just weren't, weren't rutting, and rutting and in that river corridor that we have huntable access to so yeah. it seemed like everything about their cycle the velvet coming off the rut starting was just a week two weeks two, it was yeah really closer to two weeks late yeah you know, 10 days anyways yeah so but uh but yeah it was uh as poor a year as it was for our area you like said you had a good year clayton and i uh we had a good year we you did. guys felt like you really knew what you were doing <laughs> Yeah, we we were the guys that everybody wished they were hunting with. Hunting with that, yeah, you know, just and it was literally we drew the lucky straw. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you could end up at any camp. Went right, yeah, but uh, usually if there's something new getting punched in someplace, you're part of it. I'm part of it. <laughs> Here, Frank, go Everyone check out that new Frank spot to go yeah. drive that trail. Like these yeah. these camps have been working for years, so we're gonna send you, you up there. Yeah, you're gonna go over here and. And there might not Try be, to explain there might to your not be any water yeah. in the river over there, so <laughs> yeah, everyone else will be miserable over there. So we'll send Frank. <laughs> but uh, I, but I like doing that kind of stuff. There's to yeah. me, there's nothing more fun than finding, seeing yeah. a new country, finding something new, figuring it out. And uh, you know, we obviously you don't figure everything out in one year, but you know, we we Clayton and I Got put together grasp. some pretty good start yeah. on things and. If uh, we can get up there again next year. If in a slow year you can have a year like that, I think yeah. it's probably worth trying it out again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was our logic. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back up there and, and uh, spending some time in there again. 
Very cool. Starting mm-hmm. to get old. I only got so many more years of this in me. Yeah, well, you got, you got a new knee, though, so that's... Yeah, that well, adds a few what, years that's to what it. I, that's the way I looked at it. You know, that one, no. It took 30, 35 years for that last one to go to hell. This one here. <laughs> yeah. This one's not going to go bad until you're dead. Right. <laughs> Does hunting pressure affect your camps at all? Do you, like, I, it's just weird that you've got these camps that have worked so well and everybody had a slow year. But then you venture off into the spot that you haven't hunted and it's probably far enough to where not a ton of natives are probably in that area. Do you think being in a totally new area with no pressure has anything to do with your uh, my, the my season? Knee, my knee jerk reaction is I want to say yes, because we didn't have other people hunting at the same time. This is the same camp that I told you we had five, six, seven rafters coming by every day. Fishing. Okay. Same camp. And there, and I know so, when I was up there, you know, I haven't been up there in a couple of years, but I know another outfitter worked up in that area when I was up there. Yes. Okay. So it's we not were like it's yeah. It's not like it's uh, it's pristine. There's other people there, and like I said, there's there's uh, there's fishing clients that come down yeah. through. So it uh, it was kind of nice. and we did have there was one local that was coming up and hunting up through there close to okay. us, and and he was he was actually really good he he would i would hear his boat come up river and as soon as he would see one of our boats he would stop there and hunt his way back down that's he never, really he nice never, of him. yeah yeah he never came by and and like what you seeing up here to, yeah <laughs> no, well I, I wouldn't care if you did yeah. that i'm when my when i'm in camp everybody's welcome to my camp you stop by my camp i'm going to give you a sandwich and a coffee and make you know for yeah eating dinner you're welcome to dinner i don't turn anybody away it's to me, I want to meet people and have yeah. fun and and be cordial, you know. But uh, but some of the guys, every now and then, you run into that guy. He's just going to come up and hunt on top of you, and, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating. Yeah, he's like, oh, an outfitter's here. They must have something going. Yeah, but uh, this guy was the local, uh, also from Equok, uh, where we hunt out of. And, yep. Uh, and he had hunted up there, you know, most of his life. And in a way, he wasn't happy that we were up there. But we tried to go far enough up. That we weren't on top of him either, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, and when trying he trying to respect come, each other's yeah. Distance. So when he would come up, he'd, he'd he'd see our boat, and I mean, he easily could have blown by it and hunted on top of us, and would have been within his rights. And, uh, but he showed some courtesy, and I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. uh, and he ended up shooting a sixty-four inch bull. Uh, nice. Literally, I I mean, right below us. Really. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't one we'd talked to early in the season. Yeah. And uh, whatever, but that's good. I'm glad. You yeah, know, I, I'm happy for everybody who kills an animal. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm never that guy that gets jealous because you got something and I didn't. I I can't do that. Yeah, you know, if you get out there and you hunt hard, you do everything right, you will get your turn at being on top. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's tough to be upset, of, especially a guy like that that is being respectful to you at the same time. Correct. And he's and he's truly hunting for the meat. For yeah, him and his wife for the for the winter yeah so how am i supposed to feel bad that he came up and and shot a moose yeah you know i'm happy for you yeah you know uh i'll take the pictures of the moose for you, <laughs> make you, feel, you know? but you know you, you do you see people out there in the hunting world sometimes that if they can't be the guy that shot the big buck or the big bear yeah. or the big, you know they're just mad at everybody else who did and mm-hmm. i just don't believe in that I mean, yeah you do everything right and you hunt hard you'll get your turn on the podium, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't feel like you have to be the guy on the podium every time, every time. 
know, yeah. be happy for somebody else yeah. that had some success. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it, uh, it, it, you'll you'll find that other people will be happier for you and your success. Yeah. When you're happy for theirs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're the when you're the bitter guy all the time. And we're gonna be pretty irritated when you kill something. When you kill something too, so so be happy for other people's success stories, and yeah, and you'll have yours probably more often then. Yeah, so definitely. But that's my year. Heck yeah! Now we're gonna try to shoot some whitetails around the house. Mm -hmm. We're gonna really try. It's been kind of a weird year, just like super warm, and then as soon as it started to get cold, it's just been rain. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain. It's just, it's just an odd year. Yeah, Um, but I, I think. I think it's getting ready to turn. Like it's supposed to rain tomorrow morning, but I think if it if it breaks, well, that's going to be the time to be I there. I tried to sneak out last night. I got a couple minutes of free time, and I needed to be out ten minutes earlier than what I was because I walked right into a bunch of them. Oh. Twenty yards from the stand, I was going to hunt. <laughs> been there. Uh, yeah. We've all been there. I'm, I'm literally walking to it, and I kind of peek up the hill there, and I see the stand. It's about. I don't know, 50, 60 yards from me. And about the time I saw the stand, see all I the noticed all these little heads looking at me. <laughs> you ever notice that you see them as soon as you stop? Yeah. Like, you could be yeah. walking, and nothing you're kicks You're scanning up. the whole time. Yeah, you're scanning yeah. the whole time. You're walking. Nothing's blowing out. You're not seeing any tails. You stop and look, and you're like, shit, there's a deer. And then it takes off. It takes it's off. like... You need to stop more often. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Because it seems yeah. like every time I see a deer take off, it's right after I stop. And go well, to move it, again. A lot of times, like, I've noticed that a lot, like, hunting in goldenrod fields. If you walk by them, they'll let you walk by. Oh, yeah. They don't care that you're there. As soon as you stop, they're like, oh, shit, they see me. Even if you don't, mm-hmm. yeah. they view that as that's now a threat because it's yeah. not just moving by. Yeah. Huh. No, you do. You need to stop more often, you know. But we tend to. When we're walking to our tree stand. I want to get there, yeah. I just want to get there, get in my tree I stand. I said that in in a previous podcast that, uh, like, when I'm slow hunting, like, just picking my way through the woods, I don't put a destination in my mind. I just walk, and, like, mm-hmm. even if you're like, ah, I just want to get 20 yards up there to that spot, you're going to walk to it and not hunt to it. Mm-hmm. You need to hunt your way through every spot. step you take. Yeah. Well, it's no different. A couple of years ago, you scolded me, and rightfully so. I was walking to my tree stand instead of hunting to my tree stand. And as I'm taking a couple of steps, I look, and right off my left shoulder, there's a 125-inch whitetail 20 yards from me, mm-hmm. head down, no clue that I was there. I didn't have the release on my bow yet. Yeah, you know, I was like, why? Why would you ever leave your truck <laughs> yeah, without? At least your... is still attached to the riser of the bow. Oh, you know, all the arrows are in the quiver, and I'm just going to my tree stand. And you know, and yeah, you're not going to peel that velcro to, off to get down and hide a little bit, and did it all done. That that was done. You know, I mean, I yeah, blew it, and I told him, he's like, "Well, you're an idiot. You know, yeah, you know better than to do that. You broke yeah. every rule you ever taught me to do." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got me on that one. I was wasn't paying attention. Yeah, it's just one of them deals. Like, you could walk to your tree stand a hundred times, mm-hmm. and but one time you're not ready. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be the time where you could have shot a buck. Yeah, on your way. Yeah, yeah. So you do. You need to. You need to stop more often. You need to pay more attention mm-hmm. 
definitely try to get the destination out of your mind and yes. work your way there. Yep. Good. Right. So no. who's killing the next deer? I think I will. You Probably okay. tomorrow morning. You're gonna do it? Yeah. Well there you have it. All right. It's, it's set in Tom. stone. We've done it. We've Tom, figured it Tommy's out. Tommy's next. All right. All right. Um well, thank you, Uncle Frank, for joining Thanks. us again. Thanks for having me. Everybody you. always really enjoys the Alaska episode. Yeah, I've so. had a couple people text me and request. A, a, actually, a, a previous client has been texting me. I've, I've stayed <laughs> in touch with stories? him for a few years, and yeah. he was like, hey, I, I've been kind of waiting on this episode. What's going on here? So I was like, don't worry. We'll get it We'll get it real well, soon. Well, here so. you go. Uh, here it is. <laughs> I, ho- um, I hope they f- I hope you just find it interesting. You know, it was it was I always do. It was fun living it, so I hope you guys can. I had a good time recording it. it. Yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. You didn't record nothing. You just talked. Well, <laughs> I was in the recording studio. Yeah. Hey, he bought Johnny Walker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He does have Johnny Walker <laughs> I mean, on the that's table. That's a big. Plus. There's actually more beer cans and whiskey on this table than there has been in a long time. Yeah, well, it's about yeah. time you got that straightened out. Well, it's because we're podcasting <laughs> on a Friday night, which yeah, we haven't it's usually up. during the week. It's so. a Wednesday, and everybody goes to work in the morning, so. Doing this Friday night deal could get interesting. Yeah. Um, Might have to make a habit out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks again. I think we're going to close it out there. Um, Good luck to everybody listening that's, you know, hunting. And you're not going to kill them if you don't get outside.